And with that picture in my notebook there, I've got a couple of other pictures. I've got a picture of my sister Cammy in full health, nice and, you know, portrait worthy. And I've got a picture of her uh, on, on the cusp, on the end of, of nearly being successful, committing suicide in the hospital, pale and, and just, a, just a wisp of what she was with all these things attached to her. I've got a picture of um, my, my stepdad's funeral with my other sister on there, and pretty soon I'll add to it even my wife and my new daughter there to remind me that, yes, there's physical and natural responsibilities that I have as a father and as a husband, but so far surpassing those that it's not even comparable are the spiritual essentials of me being in a right place toward God that I might minister His Spirit to my family. I don't want to forget God or be unmindful of Him. In Revelation chapter 2, starting verse 1, the Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. And hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, for else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlesticks, thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Tonight, I don't believe I'll be very long, just a very simple uh Foundation blocks here, if you will, entitled this thought, Back to the Basics. Father, in Jesus' name, I submit myself to you here tonight, God, to your spirit. I seek to hide, Lord, behind your word, behind the cross, Lord, that you administer life to me, that you administer life to these few that are gathered here in your name, God, that you would be glorified and magnified. Our eyes made to see a little more clear, God, and it waits. Or sin, God, that would that would beset us to be let go of and laid down, Father. We'd be diligent, Lord, to do the first works, to remain absolutely consumed with the person of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now in our passage it says that we that the children of Israel were unmindful, that they forgot God. Now I want you to know tonight that you can be unmindful of God sitting right here on a pew at Consuming Fire Fellowship. Right. That perhaps here is the most dangerous place of all as we soothe our conscience by attending in physical form to all the outward standards that are here upheld. But here, in the midst of, of those standards of outwardly conforming to that word that's preached from this pulpit, you can absolutely be asleep in the spirit, right. unmindful of God. It doesn't take idol worship or drinking and fornicating to forget God. You can even forget him whilst in pursuit of revival or seeking to be right. faithful to your duty to evangelize or lead your family or be faithful at your job. I call it the business of busyness. And us mere humans are very apt to be so caught up in the things about God that we forget God himself. Now just in all the, the new happenings in my life, very blessed to, to have a daughter now and to be uh, married, all these things that God has given me, I've been reminded by the Spirit, look, don't forget me in the midst of your blessings. Don't get so caught up in, what I, in, in the gifts that you forget the giver. 
For God's intention in all of our lives evolving and all that God adds to us is only to bring us closer to Him. And every time we respond as God would have us to respond, no matter where you are in life, as God adds, as God takes away His will, and, and, and what can absolutely happen is that we'd be more conformed to the image of His Son, Amen. closer to Him. But let's define our terms. What does it mean to forget God? As our verse says, to forget God is simply to be unmindful of Him in our daily lives. Not, again, that we're unmindful of our outward Christian duties and those things which men can see, but rather unmindful of God Himself, His presence, that sweet time of communion, to be so busy about duties toward God that we fail the very calling of biblical priesthood, which oh. is ministry to God. Amen. It says there in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, At that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord to minister unto him, and to bless in his name unto this day. Wherefore Levi hath no part nor inheritance with his brethren, the Lord is his inheritance, according as the Lord thy God promised him. And friend, I remember years ago, uh, I was talking to Brother Stephen on the phone. I was here uh, at, at Consumer Fire Fellowship at that time and going through something, and he just reminded me, look, son, not son, but whatever you told me. Look, brother, before ever you were a preacher, before ever you preached on the street, you were a Christian. Amen. Amen. You're a Christian. Amen. You're called to him. And these three basics that I have here were from Brother Stephen. As soon as I got born again, he said, set me down. He said, if you do these three things, you will grow spiritually. And I've come to find out not only doing these three things here will you grow spiritually, and it's a good offense, but it's also a good defense Amen. against backsliding Amen. and growing cold. There are three things that every new Christian should apply to their life to guarantee spiritual growth. And that is pray, read the Bible, and fast. Not only are these a great offense to promote spiritual growth, as I said, but a, a sure defense against backsliding. A sure defense against growing cold in the spirit. Number one, pray. And we could preach every message, I believe, on prayer. Mark 1.35 says, And in the morning, a great while before day, Jesus went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. What a picture we have. Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate in the flesh, needing in his daily life while here on earth to seek God, to pray to the Father, to have strength. We see him there in Gethsemane as well as, as Brother Charlie was mentioning the other day. Montgomery says prayer is the Christian's vital breath, the Christian's native air, his watchword at the gates of death. He enters heaven with prayer. And I'm quite convinced that if all we were ever reminded of and continually applied to our life was on the subject of prayer, all would be well. If all you did, brother, if all we did was speak on prayer and live a life of prayer, God will add all the rest upon that one foundational building block right there. And if the devil had only one thing that he could choose to fight in our lives, it would be our prayer life. Prayer is a privilege afforded to us only by the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. An entrance made into the very presence of God himself. Hebrews 10, 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, Amen. by a new and living way. And that way was consecrated through the death and sacrifice of Christ. To neglect prayer then is to disesteem Jesus and all that he has done. It is to say that we've got it all figured out. 
And in our own strength, we can make it. Prayer is meant to be a very personal and private affair. Our text says that Jesus departed into a solitary place. Though prayer may happen in a corporate setting, it is still an interaction between your own heart and God's heart. I mean, it is a time where you can shut the door at home in your closet or here in the, in the midst of a corporate prayer meeting. You can commune in a group of people and talk face to face with God through the blood of Jesus. There's one thing that the devil fights most, and that is our prayer life. If you can win and maintain this victory, nothing shall stand between you and the consummation of our salvation or your salvation, friend. Anything that comes your way in life can be conquered through prayer, Amen. through communion with Why? Why is that? Because prayer is dependency upon a strength other than your own. Amen. You can't win that battle by yourself. Amen. You're not going to figure out how to minister to your family, how to be a good witness at work, how to overcome a financial difficulty, friend. You can't do it alone. But as we give ourselves to depend Upon him who is all power and all wisdom and all strength and all things. Amen. God will lay it all out for us. He'll open those doors that you're unable to open. He'll shut those that you've not been able to shut. He'll guide you. He'll direct you. And then in that, in that communion, that sweet communion, do we learn of him? Do we allow him to learn of us? That is when Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. It is in prayer. One great avenue. Where we might know God in reality. Amen. Leaving that, number two, read the Bible. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hebrews 4, 12, Thy word, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Galatians 6 and 17 says, The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Friend, all you got to do is add to that prayer life. Amen. The Word of God. Open that Word. Allow it to inspire you to pray. Oftentimes, some of my sweetest times in prayer is when I'm working on memorizing a certain portion of Scripture. And I, I, I'll pray it. Amen. I'll read it. I, I'll allow it to enter into my spirit. And by that, God meets with me. And, you know, this is the language of God right here, friend. This is His Word. You open up that word to a Psalms, amen, all it is is one it is a man being vulnerable and every emotion he can go through in life, there, laid out in Psalms and prayer, that you can open and find your own situation. Jesus himself overcame by declaring the word to the tempter. Amen. amen. As Brother Charlie said, he could have said, I said, but he said, no, it is written. Amen. The word of God says, and that is our great offensive weapon to the amen. enemy. Amen. The Word of God is both our defense and our offense. It urges us on and holds us back when we would go too quickly. God speaks to us through His Word. I remember praying there in Jacksonville, Texas, uh, when I was just freshly saved, praying, Oh God, I want to know you. And it came to me, John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And God said, I'm in my Word. It was just a simple revelation to a brand new Christian. I was so excited. I just ran to tell Brother Mullins. God told me he's there to be found in his word. Friend, if you ever lose that love, that simplicity that you have in the beginning toward the word of God, I encourage you to fall on your face, to repent of your coldness, to seek God, to, re, uh, to revive you in a love for God and his word. The Holy Ghost can only quicken to us 
in times of need, that word which we have been diligent to hide within our heart. Amen. That's in one day, we may not have access to this word like we have today. It seems a very great impossibility, but so did, you know, a thousand other things that have happened in a year or less in our nation. It could be a, a, a very real um, thing that we have to face, but friend, we'll be diligent while we have access to his word to hide it within our heart. In the midst of all that tribulation, trials that we might face, the Holy Ghost can quicken to us that sword of the Spirit whereby we may defeat every fiery dart of the enemy. It's more than a proverb a day, friend. It is that word by which we live. The bread of life that sustained the children of Israel in the wilderness. Therein do we learn of Christ. Therein is found comfort in sorrow, instruction for every circumstance, and answer to every doubt. Bible says that faith comes by hearing, right. hearing by the word of God. Yeah. And it's not enough, friend, to just be spoon-fed from this pulpit. Yeah. That is a giant part of the perfecting of the saints, friend. But if it's not coupled with a personal, private, devotional life to God, it'll mean absolutely nothing. Yeah. I'm convinced of that, friend. You can show up to every prayer meeting. You can be early in every church service. You don't pray outside this church house. You don't read that word outside of what's read in early morning prayer, friend. You're going you're gonna to not know God. Amen. He's not going to know you. You're going to fall in a time of trouble. Establish, maintain, and grow that precious time that you spend in God's Word. Amen. It is such, uh, such a building block of our faith, such a shield against the enemy, such a refuge that we can run to in time of need. Lastly here tonight, fast. Matthew 17, 21 says, uh, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Fasting, I believe, starves the flesh and feeds the spirit. There's an old Native American proverb. I don't remember exactly how it goes, but the boy is asking the chief or his father about the two uh, forces inside of him. And he says, how do you win this victory? And in essence, the, the father said, well, whichever one you feed, that's the one that's going to win. And just like uh, similar in that proverb, fasting. I believe it starves the flesh and feeds the spirit. If you do it right, that is. And when Jesus fasted in the wilderness and the devil came at the end of 40 days when his flesh, I, I believe, I've always thought that was curious how the Bible says he fasted 40 days at the end of which he, he was in hunger. I said, amen. I, feel, I fast a meal, I'm a hunger. Yeah. Yeah. Two days, I feel like I'm about to starve to death. Jesus fasted 40 days. The Bible says he hungered. That was the moment when the enemy come to tempt him. I believe the devil came at this opportune moment, amen, and expressed, you know, when, when he thought this out, you know, he, he planned it this way, I believe, thinking him to be weak. And I believe Jesus' natural flesh was weak, but his spirit was glowing like Moses' face when he came down from the mountain. Oh, Spending that time fasting, not just, uh, you know, gritting your teeth and bearing down and, and trying to, to, to just look tough or to look like you're going to make it through just barely, but giving yourself to the Bible, to that bread of life, giving yourself to prayer in a new way, taking those meal times and setting aside that, that time to seek God more fervently. As you feed that spirit, as you starve the flesh, friend, your spirit will abound. It will glow. You will grow closer to Jesus. He's you will empty yourself of yourself that your capacity for Christ would increase. It is, I believe, denying self, which is the first oracle of salvation. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
For a man, anyways, I don't believe there's much better way to deny yourself than deny yourself food. Amen. We like to eat. But deny yourself that, that meal, those couple of days, just to set aside and seek God. I know that book, that, that one day we got to get together and get a pool of money and buy. It's like $300 or something. But uh, The Burden of Duma, what's it called? Take Your Glory, Lord. Take Your Glory, Lord. It's about Duma. And uh, one thing I've always, always smitten my heart about that man in this story was when Raymond was preaching about him and he said, uh, when he got saved and he went down and, and after church, you know, the, the pastor, is there anything I can do for me? Well, give me a church. And, and uh, they told him, you know, I don't know who you are. And he, he said, no, I'm not going to give you a church. And he, he's like, okay. But he knew what God told him. So he went out. Amen. He kissed his wife. Well, I don't think that's how he had a wife and family. But he went out to, to the woods and he found a, a little trail there in the woods, followed the trail to a creek, followed the creek to a cave, went in the cave. For 21 days, three weeks, he fasted. He drank from the creek. He prayed. He told God, he, he, he told God, he said, I know you called me to preach. And uh, God told him, yeah, I've called you to preach. I've got to have a church to preach in. He said, I've called you. Uh, he went back to that church. And God had told him he's going to have a healing ministry. Now, he's in a Baptist church now. And uh, and after that uh, service was over, the preacher, you know, said, hey, there's anything I can do for, for you. He said, yeah, give me a church. He said, I thought I recognized you. Uh, and, and they got together. They had a little meeting. And they ended up giving them a church that had like five people in it. And they said, well, it's the worst that can happen is that'll shut down. They'll come to our church. And lo and behold, it wasn't too long. He had a congregation of about 1,200 or close to 2,000, something like that. But every year at that time, when he had went out and set aside and fast, he, he had uh, handed the church over to the deacons, kissed us. Now he had a wife and children goodbye. Went back to that cave and fasted and sought God to renew his strength, to renew his commitment, Amen. to get any new direction that God might give him. I've always envied him. I ain't fasted for three weeks sitting on a padded pew, much less in a cave, friend. But uh, I, I just hope one day I get an opportunity to just sit aside a week or so, go out somewhere in the wilderness where I like to be anyways, seek God fast and have him, have him speak to my heart. And uh, whether that's there, whether that's here in the midst of, uh, of everyday life, amongst business and, and church as usual, friend, God can meet us there. Amen. And God desires to meet us there. And it is by this prayer, by continuing to maintain uh, that prayer life, the, the, the seeking of God through his word, finding instruction and a light for your path, by denying yourself, starving the flesh and feeding your spirit, that you'll have the spiritual building blocks to, to, to amount to exactly what God has called you to amount to. And if ever you begin to wax or wane or waver, I promise you, you have failed in one or more of these three points right here. And these are just the basic, uh, just, just back to the basics. And it never changes, friend. I've said it before since I've gotten married. I'll say it again. That you know how you maintain spiritual life as a single person is the exact same way you maintain spiritual life as a married person. Friend, you're going to seek God for yourself, have a prayer life, enter into his word, fast, and deny yourself. No matter where you are in life, God can meet you. Good preaching. Yeah. You know, uh, this time of year we slow down a little bit, and uh, you know, it wouldn't be a bad thing. Take a day, take a week, take some time, and go spend it with Jesus. You know, just pull away. Be a blessing to you. You do it with a light heart, sincere heart.
to see things and I know we need to be content where God's put us but I think that a lot of times the reason that we don't see certain things is because we're not willing to pay the price we read about Duma we hear about Duma I wish we were reading about it but we hear about Duma you know here's a man went 21 days in a cave well we ain't done that you know we wonder why he had the healing ministry he had well, it's because he was willing to pay the price. And, you know, it may not be that God will give you a healing ministry like him, but I do believe there's needs here that God will meet. And he used us to do it. We'd be willing to give ourselves completely to him. Draw now to God, and he'll draw now to you. Amen. Let's say Praise God. Close us in prayer, please. Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace.